For today's podcast, we read chapter two of Eclipse. We were planning on reading two chapters, but we read chapter two and we were like, holy shit. Yeah. There's a lot here. It's a lot. So we'll cover chapter three next time. We're, we're just going to kind of play it play it by ear yeah. in terms of how long it takes <laughs> us to talk about these things, but you'll see in a second that we have just so many feelings. <laughs> Forking a Twilight Saga podcast, where we discuss Stephanie Meyer's third book, Eclipse. Welcome. This <laughs> we're feeling some type of way. We've read a truly horrific, truly chunk of chapter. Truly, Edward manipulating Bella for sixty pages. I would say the first thing I texted Sam this morning was, mm. "It is with a heavy heart I announce that I might hate this book." <laughs> Yeah, and I'm in a similar place. Should we uh, kick off this episode with our um, new intro segment, Drink Swap? I get, I'm really <laughs> trying to make this happen. I got a different flavor yeah. this time for you. Okay, well, I have water again. <laughs> I actually want you to guess what flavor this is. This okay. is a different cup of water. It's Lubeck Brewing Company. Yeah, that uh, is America's the... easternmost brewery. It is in Lubeck, Maine. Such refreshing water. We have a wonderful, wonderful water source here. The Sebago Lake. <laughs> the Sebago Lake. Um, this Aroma Joe's drink is raspberry colored. Mm-hmm. Smells like it could be raspberry. Could be. It kind of tastes like it's raspberry. It might be. <laughs> is it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it another fruit? Strawberry? Yeah. It is a different fruit. Strawberry. There's actually two syrups in there. Lemon. One is a berry and one is a citrus. Blackberry lemon? Blackberry lime. Blackberry lime. Mm-hmm. How would you say that ranks? Oh. How, how does it rank? Flick? Yeah. How does um, it rank with the other abominations? It, it's good. I actually liked the one that you had last time we recorded a little better. The Rocket Pop. Yeah. Great drink swap. Would you like to give us a summary of this section? Chapter two. So the gang goes to school. Edward, Bella, Alice. etc., etc. <laughs> Alice has a vision at lunch. Bella wants to know what it is and then feels like Edward is kind of hiding it from her. Edward seemingly out of nowhere pushes for them to go to visit Jacksonville this weekend and visit Renee. Bella does her first outing since she's been ungrounded, goes to the Cullens, comes home has a uncomfortable conversation with charlie tries to break out of her house and see jacob but is ultimately thwarted Mm. good job presenting that in such a neutral way (laughs) thank you so much that's why i wrote it yeah (laughs) um and i didn't want to give away all the little spoilers for the sections we'll talk about it but that's essentially the summary of what happens in this chapter great i'm gonna try not to talk about this chapter for five hours oh my god there was a lot that i felt very strongly about i just want to get ahead of the allegations okay i feel like because ultimately we are team edward mm-hmm. that we sometimes i say things like team jacob explain this mm-hmm. and i think this chapter <laughs> and the next chapters really just I want to say right here, Team Edward Explain. Yeah, Team Edward Explain. At myself yeah. and all of us. Yeah. What the fuck is this man up to? Right. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't say that we are ultimately Team Edward. No, I would not either. I would say on a very surface, shallow level that it's like fun and, and just entertaining. If I entertaining, had to choose, Team yes, Edward. Yes, absolutely, Team but Edward. But that is definitely not the baseline kind of... I don't think that their relationship is good. Yeah, no. That I would is, never say that. That's not the, our praxis, right, if, right, you, right, right. if you will. Yeah, and I just wanted to say that because what he does in these two chapters... 
It's so inexcusable. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it's the worst thing he's ever it's done. It's not. But I would say that it's, like, up there. Oh, it's pretty annoying. Yeah. I think that for me, and maybe we should just get into it. Yeah. But I'll say for me, reading this in the context of the ultimate betrayal mm-hmm. that she has experienced yeah. by him mm-hmm. a mere month before, mm-hmm. because that's when that ended. So, like, you know, she'd been living in a completely broken state for months. And then for him to come back and act like this, how dare he? Yeah. Has he learned nothing? He's learned nothing. He's learned nothing. He's not changed. Anyway. I hate him. I'm going to kill him anyway. Chapter two of The gang's at lunch. (laughs) I actually, okay, so I enjoyed it for, like, five pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. It was cute to see them all interact. Yes. Love the premise. Yeah. The outcome. Yeah. I really, I'm a big fan of Alice and Edward sitting with Bella's human friends at lunch. I think that's really cute. Yeah. Just to have one redeeming moment mm-hmm. before I kick it off. <laughs> Immediately the first page. Yeah. Bella says. Love it. That she's feeling buoyant walking mm-hmm. from Spanish class to the cafeteria. She says, maybe it was the knowledge that my sentence was served and I was a free woman again. Imagine real prison, Bella. Imagine real prison. She also says, it wasn't just because I was holding hands with the most perfect person on the planet. (laughs) It's horrible. We should all try to not compare things in our lives to prison anymore. So true. Just a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. I don't think that people who have never and likely will never experience incarceration should talk about it Mm -hmm. like that. For sure. She's wondering if maybe this... Atmosphere of freedom is also because the school year is ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's palpable, but what she says is actually... She doesn't say that it's palpable. She says that it is touchable and tasteable. <laughs> oh, my God. It is such a unique time um, mm, totally. in her life. And obviously, like, most people experience this time. Mm-hmm. The very end of your formal education mm-hmm. in the public school system, TM. Yeah. You know, there's, like, a range of experiences, people that really liked high school, people that really hated high school, and mm-hmm. I feel like everybody's feeling the excitement. Totally. But she's feeling very nervous. Yes. Uh, nervous to the point of nausea, when she actually thinks about graduation itself, even though she's feeling good in the moment. I'd like for her to kind of, like, expand upon what's causing those nerves, because we know that she's, like, absolutely 100% set on becoming a vampire, and I don't... Yeah. I don't think she's, like, doubting her decision, not that that... Like, not that she can't be nervous anyway, but I'm wondering, are you nervous about, like, severing your relationship with your parents? What is the cause of the nerves? Maybe she would feel less nervous if there was an actual decided upon plan. Yeah. Too, because I think, like, right now, Edward is still kind of pushing at, like, the promise that the rest of his family has made at the end of New Moon to change her at some point after graduation, but it's not decided when that's going to be. Bella's under the impression that she's going to use college as a way to separate from her family and everyone, and that will be, like, a good excuse for going away and being isolated. But Mm -hmm. that's in the fall, and so does she have the whole summer? Right. It's really unclear. If I were Bella... And I'm not. But if I were Bella and he was still pushing and pushing and pushing and being, like, elusive about, like, what the definitive plans were, I would be infuriated. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, you owe me clarity. Yes. Here's what you're going to do. Stop stringing me out. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I would not trust him. How could no. she trust anyone after what he did to her? Yeah. And then for him to be 
so wishy-washy. It feels like he takes every single opportunity for him to build up trust with her again and mm-hmm. just flounders it by lying or omitting information. Yeah. Like, he he's just not taking any opportunity to actually rebuild this into a better relationship than it was before, which no. is so frustrating. No, because he's so preoccupied by other factors that are not his relationship with Bella, which are Victoria and her immortality. Mm-hmm. He's... And Jacob. And Jacob. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking about that because I was feeling some type of way about the timeline of this, how it all happened so fast. And they really just, like, Belle and Edward, they just don't ever have the chance to, like, explore, like, what their relationship is actually like. Mm -hmm. They know that they like each other, Mm -hmm. love each other, whatever. Mm -hmm. They know that there's compatibility there, but they are never operating not under duress. Mm Mm-hmm. They're, like, constantly navigating something traumatic until she becomes a vampire. Mm-hmm. Which, side note, she doesn't end up actually getting to make the choice about when she's going to become a vampire right. in the end of it. Like, no. it doesn't, she doesn't end up having as much agency over that as maybe it would be ideal for her to have because we're Nesme and... It's just not a good sign to me that they are never getting to, like, just be normal and, like, figure out normal relationship stuff, like communication and boundaries. It's like if he left, he came back, their relationship was not great. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of struggles. I'm thinking about what this looks like to, like, the outside er, human. Mm -hmm. And then she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then they have a baby. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seems bad. Mm -hmm. Seems bad. Seems controlling. Seems Mm -hmm. unhealthy. Seems abusive. Mm -hmm. And it maybe is some of those things, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there are extenuating circumstances. However, it doesn't nix everything else. Really, like, the ends don't justify the means. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, especially I, because the means are impacting, like, her ability to trust other people. Yeah, and, like, that's, like, the interesting thing about literal stories, right? Mm-hmm. Is, like, understanding the motives and the, the kind of underlying issues that make people act in flawed ways. However, in Stephanie Meyer's universe... Mm. People act in flawed ways. People are flawed. That's great. But we are ultimately romanticizing many aspects of those things and or never addressing them or resolving them. Yeah. So don't like that. So the scene kind of opens at lunch. It's a scene with Bella, Edward, Alice, Angela, and Ben, for the most part. Shout out to Angela for being the only person who is nice to Bella in this chapter. Yeah. Including Charlie and Jacob. Mm-hmm. No one else is nice to her Not except a for Angela. Person. Yeah. Yeah. Not Alice, who is uh, scrutinizing. Her up. Yeah. Alice was scrutinizing my boring jeans and a t shirt outfit in a way that made me self conscious, probably plotting another makeover. I sighed. My indifferent attitude to fashion was a constant thorn in her side. It's like, it shouldn't be that big of a it's deal. It's like a fucking normal thing for someone to wear to school. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Okay. If I'd allow it, she'd love to dress me every day, perhaps several times a day, like some oversized three-dimensional paper doll. And it's like, leave Bella alone. And I'm sure that that's, like, kind of true. Like, sometimes Bella says things, and I'm like, are you exaggerating? I really can't tell. Yeah, no. Someone in our Discord was talking recently about, like, Bella as an unreliable narrator. They were saying it in reference to the last episode that we put out about maybe Charlie's cooking isn't bad, Bella's just a food snob, (laughs) (laughs) which is really funny. I think, you know, it it is sometimes hard to tell. Like, I think last time you see it, too, like, in her relationships with other people, is this a true assessment of what their relationship looks like? Or is this Bella's very justified insecurity about her relationships with others poking through that she thinks that when Alice looks at her she's scrutinizing her outfit Mm -hmm. is bella that perceptive or is bella projecting because Mm -hmm. she feels insecure right that's really hard to tell in this moment i mean we know that alice has been quite inconsiderate Mm -hmm. in like 
using Bella to play dress up and stuff. So yeah. I'm sure there's a kernel of truth to it. But I don't, I don't really like that vibe. No. At, at all. Like, let her be herself, you know? And they try to have this very normal human conversation about graduation announcements that Angela needs to send out. Bella offers to help and kind of announces to the group in doing so that she's been ungrounded. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh my god, yay, we have to celebrate, we have to go out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. It's funny (laughs) because they're talking about it and they're like, let's do it this weekend. And they're talking about like options. And it's like, realistically, it's not like Bella was actually going out and doing things before she was grounded Mm -hmm. because she was depressed for months. She hasn't gone out and done anything since. Has she ever done anything? Well, the last time (laughs) I remember her doing something besides going to the movies in like New Moon, which like served kind of a different purpose. Yeah. Like the last time I really remember her going and doing things was going to La Push. For dress shopping, which also had its own purpose. Or no, not to, no, not to Port Angeles for dress shopping. Going to La Push with the gang. Oh, La Push. For the spaghetti party? No. What am I thinking of? Emily's house? No. I'm thinking of times that she went out with humans without oh, Edward or Jacob. To they the went beach. To the beach. Oh, that far back. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> well, that's the last yeah. time that she, like... Had a group outing. Had a group outing that was had nothing to do with an ulterior motive. Yeah, and like that was... Bella, or, like, like, without Edward or Jacob present, because Edward was the motivating factor for her deciding to go on that dress trip, mm-hmm. and then they ended up having dinner. So that was over a year ago. Right. She was, like, basically still a new kid in school. Yeah. Oh, hate that. Hate that so much. Well, it's it's funny because they're like acting like they go out all the time. Maybe that has happened and we just haven't been reading about it. But she's been grounded and then before she was grounded, she was depressed. And she's acting like her grounding is like really affecting like her lifestyle. <laughs> and it's like, this is not your lifestyle. Like, first of all, like what she probably actually wants to do is go to the Cullen's house mm-hmm. and like make out with Edward. Mm-hmm. But also, and she's having this conversation with her friends as if like, she's like, oh, finally I can go out to the movies and like have dinner with you guys again. And like, if I were them, I'd be like, we never again? did that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's I... cute. I'm glad it's happening. I think it's very positive for her. I wonder if like, it's been six weeks, two months. I don't really know since Edward's been back and therefore Bella has maybe been more sociable with her friends at school so maybe but she's been grounded so she couldn't like be sociable with them right outside of school or if she could like she could have had them over to her house yeah but maybe at least with Angela like that's kind of rebuilding I don't know Angela is just really nice <laughs> so, right, right. So of course she's gonna offer but yeah it is interesting I think it's funny that yeah Angela says that's great we'll have to go out to celebrate and Alice is like, what should we do? <laughs> like Alice immediately yeah, inserting Alice is like, herself. Plans, let's yeah, go. We're doing this. I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. And then Alice is upset that Bella makes a comment about needing to stay within the continental U.S. Mm-hmm. And Angela and Ben are like, oh, haha. But like Alice is truly disappointed. So I don't know what the fuck Alice would have her do. Yeah. If Alice had her way with Bella, what what would this girl's life be like? You know, I don't know. Jetting over to New York City. Uh, I don't know. Being like, going in New to York Milan, Fashion Week. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. Um, Which is, like, stuff that Alice doesn't even do by herself, as far as we know. Right. She could take Rosalie. Like, she could take a friend. Like, the, like she's these just vampires and the way that they're living right now are not really taking full advantage of, like... Life. Life? Like... As... Well, maybe that's... I don't know how much, like, your conception of life changes, but, like, if Alice is so bored not having Bella, like, is it truly, like, the fact that Bella's human that makes Alice suddenly, like, want to do stuff again? I guess. Like, maybe. do human stuff? 
And, like, that's fun for her. It's like a little game. I don't know. <laughs> Bella starts reflecting on how, like, with her newfound freedom, what she actually wants to do is go see Jacob, but she knows that it's just not possible. Yeah. She keeps, like, flashing back to Jacob's face the last time they saw each other. Sorry, this is just rem- reminding me of... <laughs> The song Back to December by Taylor Stop. Swift, which is literally written about Taylor Lautner. Yeah. And like talking about how she thinks of him and like flashes back to the last time that she saw. Yeah. I go back him. to December all the time. Yes. I know this one. And yes, yes. <laughs> and um, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just thinking about it. It's just funny. It's like more <laughs> funny than like the other times that this book reminds me of Taylor Swift songs because this one's actually about him. Yeah. No, yeah. It's very much like a wish I could make up, wish we could make up, wish I was at, at liberty to There's a to line you. in that song that just says, turns out freedom ain't nothing but missing you. Oh, shit. So Alice has a vision in the middle of the goddamn lunch table, which Edward has to like kind of cover for her for it. I think he kicks her under the table. It's kind of mm-hmm, implied. Mm-hmm. And he like laughs it off. Mm-hmm. And he was like, ha 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 ha, sleepyhead. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben's like, daydreaming is better than facing two more hours of school. And I'm like, he's like, I just want to read my comics. Yeah. <laughs> I love Angela and Ben. Mm -hmm. And so Alice has had some sort of vision and Bella's like, oh no. For some reason, Bella's like really worried about this vision. I guess the last time she saw Alice have a vision like in person was probably right before James James almost killed her. Well, she tends to only have like the visions that like come to her. Seem to be the really big dramatic yeah, ones. Yeah, where she, rather she'd than, like... She'd have to search, like, yeah, for other stuff. Yeah, other times she, like, does it on her own. But then she immediately starts feeling like Edward is avoiding her. He's, like, making sure that they're walking with other people in the yeah. school hallways and stuff. Making conversation with Mike after school yeah. about how Mike's car Hilarious. needs work done. Offering to do the work on Mike's car. And yeah. Mike is like, what? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. Bella goes, what was that about? And Edward's like, I'm just being helpful. And then (laughs) as soon as they get in the car with Alice, Alice starts talking, which is so funny because I just can't, I can't talk for that long uninterrupted. Yeah. And like Alice is talkative, so I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah. But even so, like she usually doesn't, she probably doesn't usually talk this much. Yeah. She doesn't have to, especially when Edward's there. She's got this like huge chunk of like monologue here. Definitely the most she's ever spoken at once in these books. Yeah, which is so cool. <laughs> and it's like, you're really not that good of a mechanic, Edward. You should have Rosalie take a look at it tonight just in case Mike decides to let you help. So, and Bella is like, obviously, you're all trying to avoid my questions, which is like, you know, whatever. Yeah, but she like, knows she's going to get her chance at some point, but she's like, this is so obviously suspicious. It's funny because like, I don't know why Bella wouldn't just cut Alice off and be like, please just tell me what's going on. Uh. Because I do honestly, she's like waiting to be alone with Edward, which I don't feel like is necessary at this point. Like, she could totally ask in front of Alice, and honestly, Alice is much more likely to be like, Edward, we need to tell her. Mm. I mean, I think that Alice is just used to doing whatever Edward wants her to do when it comes to Bella. Hate that. Which is really annoying. I'm sure that, like, Alice doesn't want to face Edward's wrath, but she can also, like, hold her own, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have to take Edward's bullshit. And it's different than when Bella has to put up with Edward's shit. Like, it's not equal in that situation. So it's it's interesting that Alice kind of defers like this. It's so frustrating. Like, the little tactics that he uses in obtaining control over, like, Bella and what she's allowed to know mm-hmm. and what she's allowed to do, he has to also exert control over 
like everyone in her life everyone in her life he's like manipulating charlie which we'll see later like Mm -hmm. he's manipulating like you know his obviously he's like impacting his own relationship with his own siblings because Mm -hmm. he can't like like he can't i don't know it's so frustrating yeah when they get home edward comes in and bella's like gonna like turn her computer on and email her mom or whatever and then he starts getting all up in her business Yes. And, like, kissing her mm-hmm. to distract her, which is not the first time he's done this. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the times that he is initiating intimacy oftentimes are done with the intent to, like, manipulate and the attempt yep. to, like, not have conversations that he doesn't want to have with her. Yeah. Which I hate. I hate it, too. But honestly, like, her narration of this? Spicy. It is pretty spicy. This book is about to be so horny. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> spicy. I'm like, Stephanie, did you have to go to church about this? Yeah. Uh they're making out. She describes that sh- her his skin is cold enough to make her shiver through his sweater, which I was actually thinking about this recently. I was like, if that's I were, really cold. That's really cold because if I were Edward, I would be layering up in like lots of cozy things all the time. You'd think that it would have to be like sub 32 degrees for that to happen yeah because if you put like a well maybe not i don't know but i'm thinking of like you know making ice packs for when i've like you know banged my head into a cabinet or whatever and i'll take like a bag of ice and then put it inside like an oven mitt Mm -hmm. or whatever i never know how cold these vampires are but like it's one thing to be cold Mm -hmm. think of an alive person whose hands are cold and who touches you is this about you Sure. Yeah. My hands are not cold right now, so I'm, I'm not going to demonstrate because I cannot. Mm-hmm. But, like, when somebody just touches you with cold hands, like, yeah. personally, I hate that. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. I can't stand it. And then you consider, like, okay, maybe Edward has the temperature of, like, a dead person. But then maybe it's like, does he radiate iciness? Like, is it that extreme? I do think he must have to radiate iciness because I feel like you when, when there's, like, a dead person, they don't... They're room temperature. Yes, you know? they become room temperature. Right. We've looked at Which up. is just yeah. 20-ish degrees to 30-ish degrees yeah. below the temperature that a human is. Right. But in order for, like, Edward to provoke a response in Bella when they first touch hands that he's ice cold, mm-hmm. like... Even through his sweater... Through his sweater, too. Like, he's got to be really cold. I would assume he can't be so cold that, like... It can't be unbearable to her. It can't be unbearable, but I'm thinking also it can't be so cold that when water falls on him, it freezes. Right. Because then he couldn't ever be in the rain. Because he'd just be accumulating ice. He'd just turn into an ice block. You know how when somebody goes outside when it's cold or something, Mm -hmm. and then they come in, you can, like feel the cold on them yeah maybe it's like that i'm saying he's probably around like 33 degrees that's fucking cold because like 32 is freezing yeah so maybe it's just above freezing so like he's not gonna like accumulate little ice droplets the mechanics of this are just so wild make it make sense but it doesn't make sense you know it's never going to make sense it's never gonna make sense but i just wanted to yeah i don't know i've gotta say he's just above freezing because like it would be bearable to be around someone who's like that temperature because it's bearable to be outside in the 30s it's like 30 yeah. something degrees outside today so that'd still be really cold it's i mean he's definitely cold. between 33 and like 78 degrees 
you know? That's a huge range. I know. I've got to say, he's definitely, I, I think he's on the colder end of that, if you can feel it through a fucking sweater. I know. Because, like, the wall in here is, like, probably 70-something degrees. The wall is cool. But if but there's it's not cold. a piece of fabric on the wall, the fabric wouldn't. Yeah. Like, you, if you put a sweater up against the wall and the touched sweater the sweater. The sweater would be room temperature. It would be room temperature. So it's got to be colder. He's got to be colder than room temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How disappointing. That's reverse engineering physics. Anyway. Anyway, Bella seems to love it. Oh, yeah, you were yeah, saying, I was it's saying spicy. it's so spicy. She says she, she uses tongue. Mm-hmm. She traces the curve of his lower lip mm-hmm. as flawlessly smooth as if it had been p- polished and the taste. I'm oh my like, God. oh my Disgusting. God. It's so sad because she wants this so much, but it sucks because she wants these moments so desperately. She mm-hmm. wants him to not stop kissing her. She knows she's coming to the end of her time where he's going, he's going to pull away any second and we also know that he's only doing this to stop her from talking, mm-hmm. which is so frustrating. Like, don't you want to kiss her? What the fuck? Right? Don't it's, you want to kiss your girlfriend? I'm going like, to kill you. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, it seems like she she expresses, like, the kissing always ending in her own disappointment. Like, she doesn't like the holding back. And of course she doesn't. Of course she doesn't. And she understands it, but I hate the way that he's doing it right now. There's this part right before that, when they right when she gets home, where they're kind of discussing, like, he's like, do you suppose I'm allowed inside again? And she says, Charlie didn't throw a fit when you picked me up for school. Um, and, but then she narrates, but I was sure Charlie was going to turn sulky fast when he got home and found Edward here. Maybe I should make something extra special for dinner. And I'm like, you shouldn't have to go that hard to appease your dad. You that shouldn't. feels yucky to me. You shouldn't. Yeah, it is weird. She does do just that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if he doesn't want Edward to be there, like, I don't think it's an unreasonable request of his necessarily to be like, your boyfriend can't be here when you're home alone. That'd be a pretty normal one to throw out there. Yeah, like, I wasn't, that was not allowed when I was in high school, even mm-hmm. when I was 18. Like, the, the last couple months that I lived at home when I was, you know, freshly 18, mm-hmm. just because I was 18 did not mean I was allowed to change. be at home alone in my mother's house mm. with, like, a boyfriend. With JJ. <laughs> a boyfriend, as if we, we've canonically established that it's JJ. <laughs> but, like, that wasn't allowed just because yeah. I, I magically turned 18. Like, it is his house, his rules. He uses that line a lot. I feel yeah. like a really reasonable one would be, no, you can't, you can't do that here. Mm-hmm. And also, like, obviously, if she's not grounded anymore, she could just go to the Collins house and they can go, like, do whatever the fuck they want over there. Yeah. But, like, if he doesn't want him to be there, like, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. And I also don't feel like Bella needing to, like, needing to, like, do all this extra stuff to, like, make Charlie happy with her, even though It's, like, Edward's so not around. her job. It's not her job. I also feel like he doesn't necessarily, like, expect it. Like, I don't think Charlie expects her to, like, make fancy dinners for him to, like, no. appease him. He's clearly established when she's, like, wanted to go out and do things with friends and stuff that, like, he's like, I can feed myself. But Bella's always like, I have to make Charlie dinner. Right. As if it's, like, something, like, an expectation that he's put on her. But it's an expectation she's put on herself, which is, fully, like, really fully. weird. There's so much about her interactions with Charlie that I yeah. really, really did not like It's, in like, this he section. clearly, like, appreciates that she does it, but, like, mm-hmm. also, like, doesn't, it's not an expectation. Mm-hmm. For now, though, um, we get some information about Renee. Yeah. Um, so, Bella's writing this email to Renee. She speaks about her mom in, like, a really patronizing way. Yeah. That... 
again, like, I think we should take what Bella says about Renee with a grain of salt for for a multitude Mm -hmm. of reasons. One being, like, again, the thing about her maybe not being the most reliable narrator. And also, like, what we know about Renee from, like, Edward's perspective in Midnight Sun, Mm -hmm. knowing that Renee has, like, some special mind where people, like, feel compelled to help her or whatever weird detail that Stephanie tucked in there 15 years after the fact, but whatever. She's reading through Renee's email. She says, shaking my head now and then at some of the dippier things she'd done. She says it was so like my mother to forget exactly how paralyzed she was by heights until she was already strapped to a parachute and a dive instructor. I felt a little frustrated with Phil, her husband of almost two years, for allowing that one. I would have taken better care of her. I knew so much better. Like, hello? So you want your mom's husband to be like, no, Renee, you can't do that. Yeah. When she's probably expressing that she really wants to do it. Yeah. Hello? And like, like, it's a fine thing for her to do. Yeah, she's gonna be fine. Yeah. It's literally perfectly safe. She also says, like, she's saying, like, you have to let them go their own way eventually, I reminded myself. And then says... Oh, hate that for her. Yeah. And then says, I spent most of my life taking care of Renee, patiently guiding her away from her craziest plans, good-naturedly enduring the ones I couldn't talk her out of. I'd always been indulgent with my mom, amused by her, even a little condescending to her. I saw her cornucopia of mistakes... And laughed privately to myself, scatterbrained Renee. You know, there are people out there for sure that probably think their way this way towards their mom and yeah. like it's warranted. Yeah. But we don't really have any indication rooted in fact that like Renee is not fully capable of taking care of herself. Well, yeah, it really, like, when you think about Bella being like, I have to make Charlie dinner. He can't eat without me. And Bella saying, I took care of all the bills in Arizona. Like, I did all these things. And it's like, Bella feeling like she has to take care of her parents in certain ways, which, you know, might be some personality trait that she developed because of her upbringing, which I'm sure it is. And why aren't Charlie and Renee demonstrating that they are capable of taking care of themselves and, like, doing more to not put those huge responsibilities on their child. Yeah. It just makes me think it's a really weird recurring thing to come up that like Bella's like worried about Renee all like a lot and like doesn't really have any reason to be like Bella was completely under this depression spell for Mm -hmm. months and Charlie and she wasn't cooking dinner for Charlie for like four or five months. Yeah. It feels like she derives a lot of meaning from taking care of her parents or like taking care of these like tasks that she feels like she has some sort of purpose. She doesn't necessarily necessarily like outside of her relationship with Edward seem mm-hmm. to feel that way about a lot of other things but I think she feels very materially like useful and crucial yeah to like the success of like Charlie and Renee's lives she has a little bit of a savior complex totally um with with a lot of people with her parents with Edward with Jacob mm-hmm. like with a lot of people she's always trying to sacrifice herself even when no one's asking her to it kind of reminds me of um someone we know from school there are people. Yeah, there are people. There are people who take it upon themselves to take responsibility for other people when they have not been asked to. And sometimes it is like crossing other people's boundaries. Yeah, like people taking on financial responsibility for things that they like definitely don't have to, mm-hmm. but like will volunteer it. I think maybe it's a little bit common at broadly this age, the age of like 17 to 24. I think it's something that people (laughs) want to look back on in like five years and be like, oh yeah, I totally did that for that person. I want to be important. I want this person to keep me in their life. So I'm going to do 
I'm going to make myself indispensable to them. Right. And I'm going to go out of my way and sacrifice myself in ways that they're not asking. They don't even need to like me or want me in their life. Yeah. So that I feel secure in this relationship. I um, <laughs> Yikes. remember someone talking um, about driving me home from like a night out and was like talking about it the next day as if I was like blackout drunk, which I was not. And also have like only been like once in my life. So I was super confident that I was super conscious the whole time. Yeah. I was definitely not able to drive and appreciative for the ride. Mm -hmm. Like something that we discussed ahead of time because we were going to this party together and this person didn't drink. Yeah. And then drove me home and like was like, oh, I have to stop at the gas station. Do you want anything? So I went inside and I bought something like food and then like dropped me off, talked to me about it the next day in front of other people, like in front of other friends and like was talking about like how she like drove me home and was like, oh, we had to stop and get you food because you were so fucked up or whatever. And I was like, I was literally there and I was literally, literally fine. fine. Yeah. Like, I, I had like maybe three drinks mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Like not a huge deal. And it was so funny because it was, like, she was just, like, creating this narrative about how, like, she took such great care of me. And I was, like, first of all, I could have fucking walked home. Yeah. And I would have been totally fine. Mm-hmm. And, like, second of all, like, what is this? Yeah. Just, like, really weird to hear people overemphasize, like, the, like... Overstate their importance yeah. in your life. Right. Or a particular moment. So weird. Yeah. Or, like, reconstruct a narrative that just did not exist. Or they yeah. perceive themselves to be more helpful than they are being. Right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that Bella's as perceptive about these things as she thinks she is. It's interesting the way that Bella not only, like, thinks that she needs to take care of them, but also the way that she chooses to take care of both of them. I think she's taking on gendered roles for both of them. With Mm -hmm. Charlie, she is, like, substituting his lack of, quote-unquote, female presence in his life, taking on, like, a woman's role of... Grocery shopping, cooking, cleaning. That sort of thing. And with Renee, she's taking on the role of, like, her absent husband, which is, like, paying the bills, Mm -hmm. doing all the financial stuff, Mm -hmm. working to contribute to the household, which, like, some of those things... Like, doing some of these things some of the time is, like, I think normal and even good and it's good life skills to, like, learn right. how to it's do these things. it's fabulous that she knows how to do all of those totally. things. Because she could totally be independent. Not that she ever will be. Nope, she will never. But her feeling like it is her sole responsibility and that her parents will not be able to do them without her is so not necessary, not true, not healthy, mm-hmm. not helpful. She says, I was a very different person from my mother. Someone thoughtful and cautious. The responsible one, the grown-up, that's how I saw myself. That was the person I knew. And this section is definitely, like, Bella introducing her mother to the reader who is maybe reading this series for the first time, right? Like, it's reintroducing this character. Juxtaposing what Renee has taught her about relationships. Yeah. And what she is about to choose to do. Right. She says, With the blood still pounding in my head from Edward's kiss, I couldn't help but think of my mother's most life-altering mistake. Silly and romantic, getting married fresh out of high school to a man she barely knew, then producing me a year later. Even though she promised that she had no regrets about having Bella, she drilled it into her over and over that smart people took marriage seriously and mature people went to college and started careers before they got deeply involved in a relationship. It is interesting to me that the message from Renee was don't get married young. Yeah. Because I think the most life-altering part of that relationship was them having Bella. Yeah. And And moving in together. As, like, a child of a single mom. Yeah. That was the message that I got Mm -hmm. was definitely don't have a child when you're this young Mm -hmm. because it was really hard. Mm -hmm. It's funny that, like, that's kind of 
not being talked about here, mm-hmm. which makes Renesmee such a bigger surprise later to me, I feel. I mean, she does mention, like, having the kid, but it seems like the, the relationship thing is being it's focused on. It's the marriage on. thing, which is, like, it's so interesting because marriage is reversible, which mm-hmm. Renee knows. And obviously, she probably doesn't want Bella to get a divorce at a young age like she did. Mm-hmm. But also, like... It's so reversible. Relationships can be ended. Like, they can be disentangled from each other's lives. Totally. Like, that is a path forward. And, like, a child is different. Yeah. I mean, I know that Bella has her little savior complex with Edward, too, and she wants desperately to be equals with him. Mm-hmm. But maybe subconsciously, like, since she has felt like she's had to, you know, whether she feels like this or not, she's had to grow up a little too fast, like many people do for many reasons. But, like, the fact that she feels the need to take care of her parents in whatever way, like, it makes sense to me that she would subconsciously seek out a relationship where she is completely cared for. Yeah. And, but mm-hmm. maybe to an extreme where she is controlled. Yes. <laughs> you know, not that it's her fault that she's in that situation, but, uh, you know, we are drawn to certain patterns based off of our childhood experiences. I do also think that she is, she does view herself as so different from Renee. So she, like, views what is essentially a very similar situation as super distinct like Mm -hmm. she says she says she knew i would never be talking about renee she knew i would never be as thoughtless and goofy in small town as she had been and like bella knows that at the surface like her decision looks the same as like renee's decision to marry charlie really young Mm -hmm. however bella feels intuitively and in herself that no one has ever felt the kind of love that she and edward have felt and (laughs) so it's a totally different situation which by the way every single person who gets married that young thinks everybody feels some people are right Some people are fine, but every single, like, not every single one, I'm sure there are people who are getting married who are, like, not sure about it, but a lot of people feel very, very, very strongly when they get married that young that, like, this is a different situation than every other person who's ever done this before me. I think that can also be applied to people who are just experiencing romantic love for the first time. Yeah. You know, people always, people tend to think, like, I'm experiencing this really strong feeling for the first time, and I think this goes for lots of different feelings, when you feel something strongly the the tendency is to think no one else has ever felt it this mm-hmm. way before mm-hmm. but yeah bella's really just following her parents footsteps to a t but she doesn't want it to look like that she doesn't want it to look like that she i think she feels embarrassed mm-hmm. and afraid of what of course of what her parents will think which is super valid and i and i think that she wants to make it's not like she wants to get married she doesn't no, she doesn't and it's so frustrating that like that's never seriously, like, taken into consideration. Yeah. Like, Edward has this extremely strong need for them to be married. He is unwilling to negotiate on it, and, like, he expresses why he wants it. And Bella feels, I feel, just as strongly that it's completely unnecessary, mm-hmm. and there should be some sort of compromise, and the compromise is not marriage. Yeah. This is Edward's fault. (laughs) Like, Edward just being unmoving and manipulative is how she finds herself in this situation. And if he listened to her and they made a better compromise, Renesmee wouldn't exist. So true. And she would maybe have prolonged her becoming a vampire longer because as we know from breaking dawn after they have sex she's like maybe we don't have to rush this like mm-hmm. i want to have sex yeah as a human <laughs> yeah it's so valid for her to be like i don't want people to think that i am this person that gets married right after high school and like doesn't whatever like it makes me feel so stressed for her because I would, I would also feel that exact same way. Like if totally. I was eighteen and like somebody was like pressuring you to get married, either get married now or none of this stuff that you want to happen will happen, and it's completely over. Oh my god! Like what? At what point? And like I don't think she's 
not old enough, but I don't think she, she just, for, for many reasons, is not able to realize, like, there comes a certain point where, like, even if you really love somebody and you want to be with them, like, it's possible to just fundamentally disagree about what kind of relationship you want to have, and then you have to break up, because like, that's so important. <laughs> it's so bonkers that he uses marriage as this bargaining chip, because it should never be like that. Like, the way that he, like, is like, oh, if you want this, this, and this, here's my condition. The condition of marriage is so huge. No one yeah. should ever feel like getting married is something that they have to do in order to get other things from mm -hmm. a partner. It's like, don't they ask you when you're getting married if you're, like, there of your own free will? Like, can she in good conscience say that, yes, like, I do enthusiastically want to get married to this person? Right. Literal consent. Yeah. My people. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's... It's bad all around. Maybe we should move on. <laughs> yeah, I think we should move on because I'm freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm unwell. We're going to take a pause here and um, do our mini segment since we only are covering one chapter today. Um, as planned. As planned. <laughs> we totally didn't make this decision after talking about this chapter for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, as planned, we're going to pause here for our mini segment. Actually, yeah. And I would... This is a lot. This episode was a lot. So maybe you should take a break too. Do your grounding exercises. Yeah. Why don't you all go and... Um, take a cold drink of water take a cold drink of water and just think of five things you can <laughs> see four things you can feel three things you can hear two two things, things you can you can taste smell 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 that's smell. the sense that i was forgetting yeah and one thing that you can taste mm, so true you know what while we're here <laughs> Imagine an alternative uni alternate universe mm -hmm. where instead of your beloved podcast co-hosts, Sam and Lori, co-hosts of Gender Forking, we are <laughs> co-hosts of a support group. <laughs> we are the facilitators of your support group. And I would just like to say that for some people, that reality is this reality mm -hmm. because th we are doing that. That is a world that <laughs> exists a small in this handful of people get to experience <laughs> instead of us as content creators yeah. <laughs> furiously screaming about twilight yeah there's a world in which you can look at your computer and see us <laughs> nodding validatingly speaking so much so much more softly than we are right now yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, talking about honestly a lot of the same things yeah so maybe it's not that hard to imagine 100%. this is like a support group in a way yeah for, for sure. us. Yeah, for us, specifically. You all provide us the emotional support by saying, when you said that in the podcast, I was like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, you're holding space for us and our feelings right, right now. Uh, so let's do the weather and the news first. Today in Forks, oh, it's about to snow. Oh, that's kind of rare, yeah? No, 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 here, it's about to snow, I'm sorry. Oh, never mind. I got distracted by our weather being up. Okay, in Forks, it's raining for the rest of the day. And the next mm, four days. And it's 48 degrees. And um, it's pretty humid. Wonderful. The news and forks. For, like, the first time ever, I'm seeing an article that is a about Twilight on the Forks Forum <laughs> website. What a happy day. So the article title is Executive Director Shares the State 
of the chamber. And the picture is of some people at the Forever Twilight exhibit that's like always mm-hmm. there uh, with the costumes and the props and stuff. The first line is, if you think Twilight is over, you had better hold on to your Team Edward hat. The uh, Chamber Imagine of Commerce... Imagine being Team Edward in this economy. I know. That it's like <laughs> so insensitive of me to say that during yeah. this episode specifically. Right. <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce director shared her annual State of the Chamber message and told people that even in COVID times, the Forks Visitor Information Center, managed, which is managed by the chamber, mm-hmm. saw its third highest ever visitor count in 2021. In 2021, our staff welcomed 45,645 people to the visitor center. We had the third busiest year in our history. January of 2022 has surpassed January of 2021 by almost 60%. They are seeing more people than like ever. She says these numbers are exciting and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been absolutely horrifying with like the new, like the variants that have popped up over the last year for their tourism to be up so much. Mm -hmm. At the expense express disinterest of the Quileute Nation, mm-hmm. which obviously, like, that people visiting Forks doesn't necessarily mean... It usually does, though. That they went to the reservation, yeah. even though it was fucking closed, but mm-hmm. it is possible that they did, and I would not be surprised if a lot of people tried to sneak on in order to get their cute little beach pictures and... Right. It's not like it's a gated community, mm-hmm. you know? Their annual budget for 2022 is about $640,000. In comparison, in 2015, it was it was $202,000. Wow. The biggest expense on the budget is staffing, and there's only three staff people, and they don't even work 40 hours a week. Wow. And so they're going to be hiring people. There's a Quileute tribe representative on the at-large board. That's good to know. I saw something on Instagram from the tribe. Yes. They announced an emergency closure of the Quileute River Indian Gill Net Steelhead Fishery. They've noticed a difference in basically like the amount of a certain type of fish and they are closing it. I think it's not clear, but I'm assuming that they're they're closing it for commercial fishing and that they would for subsistence and stewardship purposes. Yes. Like, they s- say, so they say that they strive to provide treaty year round fishing opportunities yeah. within the Quileute treaty area for tribes members. Yeah. Um, subsistence purposes, ceremonial. Hunting and gathering yeah. rights can be exercised within the treaty ceded lands. Yeah. Obviously, doing so to protect their own access. To- For sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Okay. So now it's time oh, for no, our oh, mini no. segment. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay, that's why you're laughing. Now it's time for our mini segment. What's it called? Um, Get to know Stephanie Meyer. True facts true about st- Stephanie Meyer. True facts about Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. According to an article from The Guardian, Meyer considers herself a feminist. Can you relate to this? I can relate to it. I can relate to this too. I also consider I, myself a feminist. I also consider myself a feminist. And I think that this is, and I'm going to try to say this in the kindest way possible. I think that this is a really great example of how big terms like feminist mm-hmm. can not really mean anything. So true. You know, I've had people describe to me like people that they're going to date or like, People that they're, like, trying to describe to me, like, yeah, they're cool, they're woke, or, like, yeah, like, they're cool, they're a feminist, yeah, like, or whatever. what the fuck does that mean? And it's, like, oh, my God. Like, that means nothing to me. Feminists me- feminists can be fucking transphobes. I don't have anything in common with those people. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> feminists can be so many different things. Like, feminists, like, I-, I remember, actually, okay, I remember in college, someone came to me and was, like, complaining about a class that they had in like a women's studies class that they had Mm -hmm. they were like oh yeah like i don't know the the teacher like we got into like a weird conversation about how i was like i don't think you can call yourself a feminist and be anti-choice the teacher was saying like 
yes, like, while I agree with you about abortion rights, I think this is actually just, like, a reflection of the way that people use the term feminist totally. to mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, people and, can like, say whatever they want. necessarily reflect how they feel about things. Like, that's why you see things that are, like, Catholics for life or, right. like, Catholics for choice. It's just completely subjective stances on morality that fit into people's, like, hegemonic ideas of the world, and but they makes them feel better about right their own feelings because they get to slap a label on it that people approve of maybe after more thinking um maybe i'm not a feminist actually maybe i'm just gonna divest from that whole thing now that stephanie meyer's on board that's like yeah that's something i've been like thinking about like i think it's such a powerful thing to like say under the right conditions right otherwise it's like what does that mean yeah i mean like i think this a lot about like other people that i know in my life that like call themselves feminists and i'm like we are so radically different we think very differently about things like because it's feminisms plural right exactly not feminism i mean there was definitely like a time in my life where especially like in learning about feminism and getting really excited about it being mm-hmm. like making that a really important part of my and central part of my identity and i've since do not feel that way anymore yeah for lots of reasons but i'm just reading this from her wikipedia page right because there was a thing that said feminism and i was like oh boy let's do it meyer has stated that the world is a better place when women are in charge she supported the massive success of Catherine hardwick um <laughs> Meyer has I'm ex- a feminist because <laughs> I love supports Catherine, Catherine Hardwick. Hardwick. <laughs> um, she's explained that her definition of feminism, here we go, is the ability for a woman to choose and the definition, no, just the ability for a woman to choose. And the definition of anti-feminism is removing the choice, whether it fits gender stereotypes or not, from the woman entirely. Really? Edward's not a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> Under her definition. Um she continues that some modern feminists contradict their messages of equality for women by limiting or sharing certain women's choices. Furthermore, she stated that women who choose to stay home or have children are particularly criticized and that limitations on what women can do are anti-feminist in nature. And she also has been directly asked whether she is anti-abortion, and she refuses to directly answer the question, insisting that she does not like to talk about politics and that she abhors when celebrities use their popularity to influence voters. Um, <laughs> and there's an Atlantic article... That argues that her refusal to answer the question was not to avoid revealing her political position, but rather out of respect to women's lives and women's choices. And it's like, if you are saying that you value people's choice and then you don't take a stand on abortion, which is... Choice is so co- abortion-coded. It's so abortion. like, And also, like, choice feminism is mm-hmm. stupid and nothing, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're going to talk about choice and then you won't even take a stand about abortion, then you're clearly... You don't know what you're talking about. But, like, we didn't need to get into all that to know that, you know? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, you know who else considers themselves a feminist? J.K. Rowling. So true. You know who else I would 100% defeat in hand-to-hand combat if I had the chance? J.K. Rowling. I hate. (laughs) So much hate. I hate so much about what all of this. All of this. Wow, so glad we could all have this talk. Just thinking about, like, and this is like to some extent like okay but mm-hmm. like how disturbed stephanie meyer would be to understand feminism as we might understand it oh for sure like how horrifying that would be and how like there is a version of feminism that like she can latch onto and understand that is almost unintelligible yeah to like there's so much yeah. further to go and people don't realize it they think that like accepting that women as a group like just cis women uh-huh. are people is the extent of being radical, which is, like, so mind-blowing to me. No, it's really funny (laughs) when you watch people that, like, 
obviously still have very, very, like, limited, completely stunted views on so many things, claim even the most basic definitions of things like feminist or, yeah. like, anti-racist or yeah. blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, what are you doing? Nothing. And in fact, you are doing harmful things. You wrote a shitty book. And you <laughs> exploited a real group uh-huh. of indigenous people. So that's not very feminist in my book. Yeah. Okay, well... Back to us angrily yelling about the book. Yeah. <laughs> so she writes this email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Edward sees... I thought this was interesting. Um, Edward sees the car stereo that Emmett had given Bella for her birthday last year, at which a very brief detail that is so mm-hmm. disturbing in New Moon is that like she like clawed the stereo out of her car until her fingers were bleeding and mm-hmm. then tucked it into her closet and like covered it up so she couldn't see it. Anyway, Edward sees it and he's like, oh, what did you do to this? And it's like, don't fucking ask her about that. I know. It's like, are you fucking stupid? People say some things in these chapters, but I'm like, are you fucking stupid? Do you remember what happened? Don't act like this didn't happen. (laughs) And like, and what he says after she's like, yeah, I ripped it out. He says, oh, it would hurt their feelings if they saw this. It's a good thing that you've been on house arrest. I'll have to get another one in place before they notice. It's like, why don't you ask her, hey, why did you do that? Hey. Excuse me? Like, are you not a normal thing to do. Of course not. No. If I were in that situation and he was like, hey what's that? Like, oh, you remember when you left me and you destroyed all the evidence of our relationship? I I finished the job. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Oh my god, I hate him. (laughs) Kill him. But I know that he's doing this. He's doing this to lead into the next level of his manipulation, which is, oh, Emmett would, his feelings would be hurt, which like, Emmett won't give a fuck. (laughs) And he, it's literally like, money's nothing to them. It's nothing. It's nothing. Like, it's like, Oh, like, I ripped it out because your brother left me in the forest. Yeah. And I almost died. And it hurt me to think of him and to listen to music and to think of any of you because I miss you so much. Right. Like, that's very understandable. It's okay. And then okay. he, but he's definitely just using this as the stepping stool to his yeah. next thing, which is that the plane tickets that Carlisle and Esme gave you for your birthday last year are about to expire. And I don't think he says it here, but at one point, I think later when he says it to Charlie, he says like, oh, it would hurt Esme's feelings if you didn't use these. Right. Bullshit. Bullshit. Oh, she said, well, I forgot all about them. And he's like, well, let's go this weekend to Florida. Let's go see her. There's so much here. What? Who in good conscience is like... And I'm, there are people that are like this, and God bless you all spontaneous people, but, like, a trip to Florida from Washington? I'm going to need at least seven weeks to prepare. I need to emotionally prepare. I need to physically prepare. If you told me I was going to Florida next month, I would be so stressed out <laughs> yeah. thinking about everything that that entails. Yep. And he's like, let's just go this weekend. I'm stupid because this didn't raise any red flags to me. Um, and I was like, I don't know why he's doing this, but whatever. And <laughs> Well, you don't remember how it goes. No, you I know? don't. She decides it's not worth a fight. I don't want to fight with Charlie not so soon after he's forgiven me. And he's like, being like all suspicious is like really insisting that it's this weekend when she's like, no, let's just go to see a movie in Port Angeles. Like, let's just like take it slow or whatever. He's like, whatever. He's like, oh, never mind. Fine, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. It's so, there's so much here. He even says, I hate this. Okay. He even says, well, are we going to see Renee or not? And Bella says, Charlie will never allow it. And Edward says, Charlie can't keep you from visiting your mother. She still has primary custody. And she says back, no one has custody of me. I'm an adult. Yeah. Which is true legally. Mm-hmm. But also, like, what a fucked up weird thing to say. Even Really weird. Even if, if Bella was still 17, like, 
And tr- and Edward was like, your mom has primary custody of you. Oh, that's like weird. Like, don't like that's not yours to comment on. You should never talk to somebody about the custody agreement of their parents. Yeah. Like, and it's like, do you even know that? Like, how do you know how that? How do you know that? <laughs> like, we don't know that. Like, we don't know who has primary... Like, obviously, Renee had primary custody because she was taking care of Bella but, for like, so long. But, like, we don't even know that they had a custody agreement. It could have been equal. It could have been joint custody. Like, like, we don't know when the last time they negotiated custody was. Like, no. we don't know child support. Like, we don't know... It seems like there's been very, like, maybe a no lot issues. Of, a lot of people get initial, like, custody work, like, gr- agreements in yeah. their divorce and then never revisit them because they can... Do it on negotiate their own. Negotiate on their own. Yeah. What works best for them. Like, not everything has to be vis- visible for the courts if you're, like, two people, two people that respect each other's, like, this is so hard. <laughs> anyway, I just feel like it's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. And then Bella also says, this is another, like, I don't know if you really believe this moment mm-hmm. where she says, it's not worth the fight. Charlie would be furious. Not that I was going to see Renee, but that Edward was going with me. She says, Charlie wouldn't speak to me for months and I'd probably end up grounded again. Do you really believe, Bella, that your father wouldn't speak to you for months because you went to go see your mom with your boyfriend? I also think That would be she... so abusive if he did that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very normal request for her to make of, of yeah. Charlie. Yeah. And he doesn't react well to it. And no. I don't think that he necessarily should react super well to it. I don't like no. how he reacts, but yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable to request to go visit your parent with a significant other mm-hmm. as an 18 year old i don't think that's super unreasonable for a generally responsible person mm-hmm. also i think it's just an exaggeration of like how charlie would react charlie didn't even carry out her first grounding all the way through and then immediately like she comes back from this and then it's like graduation prom a huge like time in her life presumably her last few months living at home before she potentially moves to alaska or like goes off to college or whatever like charlie's not going to ground you for that period of time and not going to like waste the last few months he thinks he has with you like living at home mm-hmm. like i just don't think that he would do that i no. think that he enjoys her being there and he wants her to be there doesn't want to like ruin their relationship over this this conversation is awful. He's really trying to guilt her into going, mm-hmm. and she's suspicious. She says, this kind of behavior was unlike him. Untrue. She says, I knew it was making me spoiled. No. No, you're not spoiled. You're gas. You're being gaslit. Mm-hmm. And she does event- end up asking him, like, what did Alice see at lunch? And he lies through his fucking teeth and mm-hmm. says that she saw Jasper in the Southwest and she's worried about it. And Bella is immediately critical of herself. Yeah. She's like... I'm the one who is blowing this out of proportion. She says, My imagination was sadly out of control. I'd taken a perfectly normal afternoon and twisted it until it looked like Edward was going out of his way to keep things from me. I needed therapy. It's so textbook. The manipulation is so textbook. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you do need therapy, actually, but not because he's lying to you. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker told such a devastating lie, left her for months, and then now he's back lying again. Acting suspicious. And then trying to make her feel like her concerns are just so unfounded and that her thoughts are not valid. And he's keeping so many important details from her. Like, why do you think that you even deserve to be in any relationship? No, I agree. At all. Oh my god. God, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Surprising? No. No. Again, like, he takes every opportunity to to rebuild trust and be open with her and smashes it on the floor and disrespects it and stomps all over it. Yep. 
Charlie comes home. Charlie comes home. She starts making dinner. She makes stroganoff. Grandma Swan's recipe. Grandma Swan's recipe. So I'm just wondering if Grandma Swan is canonically Eastern European or if, like, she makes stroganoff in the way that, like, my grandmother makes stroganoff, Mm. which is, like, you know, just, like, a very 50s meal to make. Yeah. Well, it seems like casserole dishes and, like, stuff like this are really common. There was, like, a while back where I remember Bella pulling out a, like, a recipe book. It made me wonder if, like, she has a book of, like, family recipes that are, like, written on recipe cards. Maybe. And it works. Charlie's, like, thrilled with three helpings of stroganoff, which I'm, you know, thrilled that they wrote about this because I love stroganoff. Let's fucking make stroganoff. Yeah. Charlie says that work was slow and so slow that he played cards with a co-worker, Mark, for a good part of the afternoon. Cops are useless. Spent time on the phone with Billy and I'm like, cops are useless. At least he wasn't driving around like on patrol. Yeah. Like trying to pull people over for like speeding tickets or something like that to like... (laughs) Collect money, but it's like you're literally useless and unnecessary. Yeah. Dinner's mm-hmm. over. Edward is helping Bella clean up. Well, there's a werewolf party. There is a party happening <laughs> in the push that Billy has invited Charlie to, and Bella's like, "Oh, really? Sounds interesting." <laughs> and uh, she says, "She says, huh?" And then she says, "Huh?" Was my genius response? But what could I say? I knew I wouldn't be allowed to hit a werewolf party. She perceives that she's being controlled. She just doesn't seem to care. Yeah. She says, I wonder if Edward would have a problem with Charlie hanging out in the push. It's like... If he did, I'd love to see him fucking explain it. Yeah. Truly. After dinner, Bella and Edward are cleaning the dishes and Edward brings up to Charlie, did Bella ever tell you that my parents gave her airline tickets on her last birthday so she could visit Renee? Bella's so shocked by this that she drops the plate onto the floor. Mm -hmm. Charlie's like weirdly surprised by the fact that Bella didn't tell him this and it's like it was her birthday she had no intention of like using those anytime soon and like a lot of stuff happened right after that that yeah why would it come up Edward's like oh I think it might hurt Esme's feelings if Bella doesn't use the gift and Charlie's like all for Bella visiting her mom Mm -hmm. well when they figure out that there's two tickets and that like one is for him Charlie yells flips out he is in a rage and I'm like can you just please respond differently? Can you please respond in any way that is thoughtful it's and like helpful? It's uncharacteristic that, like, he would yell it like this. Really He's sense. a man of few really words. Sense. And, like, in my experience with most people that are, like, understated and act in the same way that Charlie does, when they, they get angry, flip. they don't usually do that. And no. Unless, it's like, unless they're actively being manipulative or abusive, like, yeah. on, like, in making the intentional choice to be like that. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't strike me as what charlie's trying to do here no and it doesn't seem to me like this is very this seems very incongruent with the way he acts ever since the end of new moon stephanie meyer is like what if i just made charlie yell all the time yeah it's really weird because i just like i don't want to take that for granted you know right i'm not gonna just accept that no because like even the (laughs) motorcycle conversation he's screaming for her to get back in the house like threatening if i were bella i'd be like why is my dad suddenly like acting in this way that he's never acted before like that would be very scary totally yeah especially now that she's an adult i'd be like what the fuck you know right like i'm 18 now you're yelling at me like this is so weird i think that there's a way that he could have even like he could have had this conversation so much more effectively with her calmly yeah like which is usually the case when people are reacting in this way like there's almost never a good reason to yell yeah but like imagine how much more powerful it would be for charlie to be like i'm not having this conversation with edward present bella we can talk about this Mm mm-hmm I would highly prefer that you don't go on a trip with Edward. And here's the reasons why. Because he has good reasons. Yeah, really good reasons. Bella and Edward have run off together several times and gotten her super injured. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, like, this is just an aside. On the one hand, like, it's an... 
you know, a quote unquote normal thing for Bella and Edward to do would be to go visit Bella's mom, right? But Edward also doesn't have to make this big show of it. Like he could just go if he wanted to be there and and do whatever he wants, you know? Like he could go separately. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand. Like not that he should have, not that he should hide that. He's really putting it in Charlie's face. In Charlie's brain, even if he explicitly thinks and like believes the cover stories for the several times that Bella has gotten hurt. Mm Mm-hmm while with edward even though like bella is canonically like getting into dangerous situations like is canonically like clumsy and like a danger magnet like yeah if you think about how when bella goes and disappears off with edward to his house for her birthday Mm -hmm. or to go play baseball with him right or follows him to this place and then ends up falling down the stairs or Mm gets in a car crash she's like mysteriously like he's mysteriously right there with her and witness the whole thing Mm -hmm. even if charlie accepts the surface level explanations of what happened in each of those or like the excuses that they give in my brain and maybe this is just the domestic violence brain (laughs) but it's valid if my daughter's going (laughs) off and then coming back with like mysterious injuries Mm -hmm. and edward's always there yep i might think I don't know if this guy is really the right one. Yeah. Like, I might sure. think maybe I'm being lied to. Yeah. Even if I'm hearing it from people that I trust. Yeah. Like Carlisle. I fully understand why he's upset about this. Yes. However, it's unhelpful to Bella that he responds this way because she immediately reacts by, well, I'll move out. Yes, exactly. It's a great example of how, like, having a calm conversation, not, like, making ultimatums or, like, forbidding people from, like... Making rules. Yeah, making these, like, rules that she has to follow for, like, what is to her no reason because Mm -hmm. she doesn't understand the way way that he's thinking about it. He just thinks... She thinks that he has, like, some sort of ultimatum or some some sort of agenda against Edward. Like, it'd be so much more effective if he just explained his reasons, which are perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. If he was... Not that Stephanie Meyer would ever write it this way, but if he was actually concerned that Edward was physically harming her, there are ways that he could address that directly. Mm Mm-hmm. Even that he's just being controlling. Like, it would probably be good for a parent or someone to talk to Bella about, like, the controlling ways that Edward is acting. But instead, he's like, you're not going anywhere with him, young lady. And she says, I'm not a child, dad. I'm not grounded anymore, remember? And he says, oh, yes, you are, starting now. And she's like, well, I haven't done anything wrong, Mm -hmm. so you can't do that. Which is so true. So true you can't ground her for no reason she actually does really well with her own boundaries in this section with charlie with charlie she can set boundaries with charlie and she is much more strategic in like negotiating things with charlie and making sure that she can have her way with charlie Mm -hmm. and like she she for some reason does not always transfer those things over to edward she has the skills to get what she wants in like mediating between what charlie wants and what she wants Mm -hmm. but like she doesn't attempt that in the same way with edward no and she doesn't see the need for it i think which is the dangerous part she says like you can't tell me that you would object to this if i was going with alice or angela and charlie goes girls girls yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh so wild and she says would it bother you if i took jacob And he, like, says yes in a very unconvincing voice. And I'm like, she says, you're a rotten liar, Dad. Which is so, <laughs> so true. again, really powerful to call him on his bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, like, no, you have a problem with Edward. And, like, what a better conversation they could have if Edward was not, like, looming over them. Like, it's so shitty because Edward started this. Mm-hmm. She did not want to have this conversation. And she expressed that with words. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't think it's worth the fight with Charlie right now. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And Edward was like, I don't care. And she's put in this position where she now needs to leverage 
herself, her relationship with her mom, she says, like, I'm going to see mom. Like, it's she's just as much as my parental authority as you are. Are you implying something about mom's ability to look after me? You better hope I don't mention this to her. Mm-hmm. She says, my homework is done. Your dinner is done. The dishes are done. And I'm not grounded. I'm going out. I'll be back before 1030. And I'll keep it within a 10 mile radius. I don't know why his dinner is part of that list, but good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Good boundary setting. I'm, I've done everything responsible that you require of me. And now... I'm going to use my freedom. (laughs) She leaves with Edward or Charlie leaves. I don't know. She discusses this with Edward and he's like, well, I know you want to see your mother. You've been talking about her in your sleep and worrying about her. I'm like, okay, well, that's not a reason for you to have done this. Mm -hmm. And And oh my God. Oh my God. Accuses (laughs) her and says, but clearly you were too much of a coward to deal with Charlie. So I interceded on your behalf. Excuse me. a fucking bastard i hate him i cannot believe and she says i told you i didn't want to fight with charlie and then he turns it back on her and says nobody said you had to fight with him motherfucker are you are you fucking kidding me you're stirring the pot and then you don't recognize the soup (laughs) literally (laughs) like (laughs) he literally put her in that position she said if this gets brought up there will be a fight between me and charlie and then he's brings it up and then he's like well you didn't have to fight fucker and then she feels like something's off and the only thing that she can think of is is this sudden urge to see florida have anything to do with the party at billy's place and he says no it wouldn't matter if you were here or on the other side of the world you still wouldn't be going and it's like you rat bastard she (laughs) says it was just like with charlie before just like being treated as a misbehaving child Okay, Charlie's your actual, you are his actual child. Right. You know, so like, that's one thing. But being treated like a child by your partner? Unacceptable. Break up with him right now. Kill him. Dump him. Light stab him. On him. Fire. I, I don't care. Literally don't <laughs> like, care. Yeah, no. And then she talks about how she's gritting her teeth together so she wouldn't start shouting and is like, I didn't want to fight with Edward too. And like, that's so valid. She's been worn down by this fight with Charlie. It's almost like he orchestrated this fight with Charlie knowing so that, that if defeated. she fought it out with Charlie that she would feel really f- distressed by that because she didn't want to have a, like a confrontation like that with him and then realized that like that he's in the clear because she's not going to want to fight with him now. Yeah. I I literally hate him. I I'm furious. I'm I want I want to stab him so bad. Mhm. They go see Esme. They go see the Collins with the leading motivation of Bella's to see Esme who she hasn't seen in a long time. We don't get any piece of that interaction that she has with Esme. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Not that like, I mean, I know it's a long book and you have to make cuts, but I'm like, I want to, I want more interaction between Bella and like other people that aren't Edward, Jacob, and right now, Charlie. Yeah. There are other players in her life. This book does not pass the Bechdel test. No, so far, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe with Angela briefly. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Okay, we can just say things. Yeah. Um, this is my show and I can just say whatever I want. Yeah. As if it passing the Bechdel test would make it okay. <laughs> I'm going to put a sticker on it that says, passes the Bechdel test. So, oh my God. Oh my God. She gets home. <laughs> this fucking chapter. She gets home and she thinks that Charlie's going to like yell at her some more because the lights are still on. And yeah. she's like, you stay out here. It's only going to make things worse if you come inside. And Edward knows what's about to happen and says his thoughts are relatively calm. And he's like fighting back a smile. And she's wondering if there's some additional joke that she's missing. And mm-hmm. the joke that she's missing <laughs> is that she's about to get the sex talk. Mm-hmm. The birds, the bees, 
Charlie's like, what did you do? And she says that they played chess. The information that we get about their time at the Collins is that Alice and Edward played chess, and it was really interesting to watch because of their mind games, their mind capabilities, mm-hmm. and that she played Jasper. Charlie, bless his heart. Bless his bless heart. Bless his fucking heart. He's just trying to do his due diligence. He's trying to he's trying to give a sex talk. He mutes the TV. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you and Edward seem pretty serious, and there are some things that you need to be careful about. I know you're an adult now, but you're still young, and there are a lot of important things you need to know when you, well, when you're physically involved with. <laughs> and side note, I think it's really interesting that, like, he has all these concerns about Edward, but, like, his number one concern is, like, are they using protection? And it's mm-hmm. like, that's definitely a concern, but, like, because you don't want her to get pregnant and then sure. to be stuck together, mm-hmm. for sure. But, like, also, talk oh. to her about some other stuff, too. I know, I know. I think that a lot of parents feel... Like, they don't have the tools to have conversations with kids about sure. anything other than the sex talk, because there's, like, a lot of cultural And they barely dialogue. have enough tools to yes, have the sex exactly, talk. Yes, exactly. Because there's, like, so much cultural dialogue and, like, oh, when you have to tell your kids about this. And it's, like, we don't tell our kids about a lot of other things, though, that, like, so could true. be really beneficial. Yeah. And, like, the norm is, like, to just have this talk once, kind of when it's too late. Yeah. And that's why it feels awkward is because you didn't open the dialogue earlier and make your child feel like it was okay to talk about these things. Personally, my mom had a book mm-hmm. that was like how to answer questions that kids ask. And it was like from ages like zero to like 18, basically. Mm-hmm. And like it had like age ranges mm-hmm. of like what age appropriate information mm-hmm. you should be giving to them. And I, at age seven, six, even read it the whole thing cover to cover i grabbed it see when i was young whenever i could like when my mom was in the shower or when my mom was like cooking dinner and Mm -hmm. she was like very firmly rooted in one spot or Mm -hmm. she's like painting her nails i'd tear that house apart and try to find gossip on everyone and i would do that at my grandparents house too i'd like disappear off into a room Anyway, so I'm living part of the house, and I just read the entire book, and then my mom approached me, like, a couple years later, and was like, you're about to start having sex ed in school, I want to talk to you about it before you have it in school, and I was like, I found your book, I think I'm all set. She's like, do you read the whole thing? I was a, I was also, like, a very good reader from very, very young, mm-hmm. and she was like, you read the whole thing, and I was like, I read the whole thing, and she was like, cool, <laughs> And we just didn't talk. Oh, my God. You gave yourself the sex talk. I did. I gave it to myself. I read the whole book. And she was like, any questions? And I was like, it's pretty thorough. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. What a nightmare. Oh, my God. And for context, also, when I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten, when this was happening, my mom was in her mid to late 20s. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Poor thing. Mm -hmm. God, what would I do? I don't know. I would freak out. What a nightmare. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. If that happened to me, I think I would just, like, like me. Yeah. If my child did that, I would just laugh. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's, it was deeply funny to raise me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure that, like, I remember even getting into conversations. Like, I would get into fights with my mom and I would just, like, have, like, an argument prepared. Mm-hmm. And then she would just laugh at me. And I mm-hmm. always felt so enraged by that. And then mm-hmm. my, like, grandparents would be laughing, listening. Or, like, my aunt would be laughing, listening. Yeah. And, like, I would just be so enraged because they were laughing. And I didn't realize then that they were laughing because I was spouting some, like, absolute 
crazy bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But, like, now, like, when my younger cousins will say funny things, mm-hmm. and I, like, try not to laugh at them because it feels so invalidating. Totally. But it's hilarious. Yeah, it like, is so, funny, so when, funny when young people think they know everything, which is why it's so funny to read this fucking book. I know, because she's a baby. <laughs> yeah, and like, it's, like, so it's valid to feel that way. We all, yeah. we all feel that way. Of course. <laughs> it is a stage. It is a phase. It's a phase, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Charlie's like, I have responsibilities. Remember, I'm just as embarrassed as you are. Not a helpful thing to say mm-hmm. when you're talking to a young person about sex. Even if you feel some type of way, please pretend that you are so calm. Just pretend. She says, I don't think that's humanly possible. Anyway, mom beat you to the punch about 10 years ago. You're mm-hmm. off the hook. When you were eight, she gave you the sex talk? Right. And all the ins and outs that you need to know now, she gave you that when you were eight? Like, like, okay, like, but I don't believe it. it. Well, also, like, when kids come to you and tell you... I, I I already know everything I need to know. You've got to inquire. You got to. Where ask. did that information come from? Yeah. Even if she's saying that the information all came from Renee, she's definitely digested some other information that supplements that. For sure. That like should be like where did that come from? For sure. Yeah. God. God. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, 10 years ago, you didn't have a boyfriend. And she's like, I don't think the essentials have changed that much. I'm like, was Renee talking to Belle about penetrative sex when she was eight or nine? She might have been. Like, that's fine, honestly. Yeah, that's totally like, that fine. is okay. But, but I'm like, feels... she's going to digest that information differently at different points in her life. Yeah, and yeah, And she does yeah. need it again. Yeah. She understands more about her life and herself and her relationships. And, like, the information now applies to her mm-hmm. in ways that it didn't 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it is important. Mm-hmm. Just have a little brush up. But Jesus Christ. But anyway, Charlie really wants to be reassured that Bella and Edward are being quote unquote responsible, meaning that they are using protection when they are having sex. Mm-hmm. And Bella ends up being like, it's not like that. Edward's very old fashioned. And she ends up saying, when, and this is so well done in the movie. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Um, she ends up saying like, I like, you're forcing me to say this, but I am a virgin and I have no immediate plans to change that status. Which she and Edward have not explicitly talked about that yet. not. And that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, okay, well, that part's over. He wants an update on her, like, newfound freedom, quote unquote. Like, she's like, okay, I made plans with Angela today. And he's like, what about Jake? She says, I haven't figured that one out yet, Dad. And he says, keep trying, Bella. I know you'll do the right thing. You're a good person. And she narrates, nice. So if I didn't figure out some way to make things right with Jacob, then I was a bad person? That was below the belt. Truly. Truly an unhelpful... Mm Mm-hmm thing for him to say yeah it's it's like she's right to be uncomfortable when he said totally that. like but it gets to her she's feeling wound up and anxious because she's thinking about it and mm-hmm. she is like i could call renee but well, i don't feel like doing home like i don't feel like reading or like listening to music my homework's done can't really call renee maybe i can call angela and then she's like you know what honestly i do really want to see jacob yeah and she does you know think more about the last time they saw each other was really really devastating to her and she needs some sort of like a little bit of closure Mm -hmm. on that and she pretty impulsively is like well i have an hour before edward's probably gonna be back he won't even realize i was gone he's not even gonna know that i was gone which good for her she doesn't have to tell edward everything Mm -hmm. he would probably know you know 100 she'd have to shower you know Mm -hmm. she'd have to like really cover it up to get rid of the smell Mm-hmm. She's really operating under the better to ask for forgiveness than permission. For sure, yeah, as she should. Which is 100% true. She should never have to ask for permission or forgiveness. Yeah. She describes herself as a fugitive mm-hmm. sneaking out of the house. She gets into her car, and as she tries to turn the car on, the engine just clicks. Then she realizes that Edward's in the cab of the car, 
And, and his hand, he's holding, what, the transmission? I, I don't, don't fucking know. I Something. don't know. He's Charlie, holding an integral piece of the car. <laughs> Charlie has done this to her before. He has. Charlie took this out of her car in order to stop her from being able to leave in the middle of the night once. Yep. And if somebody is in my car, my absolute worst fear when I get into the car is that there's a human being in it. Yeah. And if Edward was just in the cab of my car when I got in, mm-hmm. I would either die. <laughs> on the spot. Just, on the spot. It's over. Piss myself. <laughs> or start sobbing. Yeah. 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 Somebody jumped out up. at me from behind a bush once on the way back inside from a fire drill in our dorm. Mm. And I started sobbing. <laughs> And I was like, and they felt so bad. And I was like, you fucking should feel bad. It was my neighbor. I was like, you should feel horrible. I could have died. I could have died. <laughs> so here's what happened. Alice is a fucking narc. Yeah, Alice is a narc. Alice, you I'm not her biggest fan. Everybody is complicit in Edward's control of yes. Bella. And they should all be doing the opposite. Yep. They should be sabotaging his plans actively. Because what's the, what is he going to do? He can't actually do anything about it. This is only working because everyone is going along with it. This is a very not normal thing to do. This is so controlling. Side note, the fact that Charlie has done it to, done this to her before maybe has normalized this behavior. This is terminable. <laughs> Terminatable. I don't know what the word is. This is... <laughs> what are you trying to say? This is... <laughs> This is a deal breaker. (laughs) So true. This is inexcusable. This is unredeemable. Yeah. You do this to me once, we are never coming back from it. Yeah. I really feel like she should break up with him. So strongly. Um, And not that I believe in, like, breaking up with someone to teach them a lesson, but, like, I do think that she could, she should just fucking break up with him and be like, if you're going to behave like this, then we cannot be together right now. Yeah. And you know what? I also feel like... You know, this is something that he thinks he's doing for her own good or whatever. But every time that he gets away with doing something like this, introducing this conversation with Charlie, it is testing for him his limits of what else he can do. Mm -hmm. When she tries to find ways to subvert the absolute total control that Mm -hmm. he has over her life, he resorts to other methods of control Mm -hmm. because he knows... Well, the emotional manipulation of, like, I really don't want you to get hurt. I'm really worried about you. Yeah. I really don't want this to happen. I'm so sad. I Mm -hmm. wish you wouldn't do this. He's like, well, that's not working, so let me escalate. Yeah. Let me restrict your movement. Mm -hmm. It's classic. Mm -hmm. It's classic. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so frustrating. (laughs) It's frustrating how classic it is. It's like, I want it to be more subtle, you know? Like, I don't want it to be textbook, Mm -hmm. because the implications of that are devastating. The fact that this went, and not not that like no one ever critiqued it when it came out, but the fact that ultimately this these kind of behaviors went unchecked in the entirety of the saga and when was highly hear, romanticized. When you hear critiques of this book, or when you hear critiques of the series, you hear critiques of like the really overt things like him watching her sleep. Yeah. What you don't hear are the things that like are much more realistic the for people true to fans experience. <laughs> well, it's so much more realistic yeah. that someone would be emotionally manipulated or like have totally. someone like take the transmission out of their car as a way to like control their movement. You hear about like he's so much older than her in that some ways, you know, like right. and like yeah, sure. Yeah, and like yeah. some some people are, are have always been like yeah, he's controlling and whatever, but always kind of in a way that is somehow ending up being Bella's fault. 
Yeah. And, like, Mm -hmm. doing it in a way that's, like, blaming her. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we can't have a conversation about violence if we're going to victimize. No. (laughs) So all of that is void for me. Mm -hmm. I, I... hate this so so much i really feel like she should break up with him because honestly he would still protect her from victoria if they were broken up absolutely like that would still be his responsibility and that happens in the vampire diaries like not for the same reason Mm. but like the two main characters that are dating like she's like it's too dangerous for me to be with you people that i love are getting hurt yeah i can't be with you right now and they still ultimately like collaborate together in order to like stop like you know the forces of evil or like the threat of the day or whatever that is fully what i wish would happen here. and like that could happen here like there could be some like negotiation where she could interact with a different member of the colon family who's not so dead set on fucking controlling every aspect of her life Mm -hmm. oh my god this is so infuriating i hate him it's i hate edward it's really bad. He monologues for two paragraphs. She actually doesn't say anything to him in no. the car. He's speculating about why Alice is not able to see the wolves. Like, her... Alice is, was not able to see Bella's future, and that's why he came. And she's just, like, not even responding. And he says, I'll put your car back together in time for school in case you'd like to drive yourself. And he says, shut your window if you want me to stay away tonight. I'll understand. He's giving her tidbits of mm-hmm. control. And, like, that's what he did throughout Twilight and New Moon. Yeah. Well, mostly Twilight Mm -hmm. as well. Giving her little tidbits of, well, if you say no, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. Or like, if you say this, I won't, I won't do this. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's giving her those little tidbits to make her feel like she has control over some aspects of her life. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't. When she goes back inside, Charlie is like, what's wrong? And he offers to look at it, to give her his car, which is a police cruiser and she's not allowed to drive. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what would be a way around this? If Charlie drove her. Yeah. If Charlie drove her, Edward wouldn't. I don't think Edward would dare try to intervene. Like, there's no way for him to intervene with that. And you know what? If Bella didn't have to go on this stupid fucking Florida trip and was, like, still mad at him Mm -hmm. and wanted to prove a point, she could be like, Dad, I really do want to go this weekend Mm -hmm. to La Push. I would really, really love to go with you to that party. Yeah. And then tell Edward, I'm fucking going, and if you want to stop me, you're going to have to fucking stop me and my dad. Yeah. I I wish. But instead, she goes right up to her room, closes her her window mm-hmm. violently, and then opens it up as wide as it will go. Yep. I hate that. Let him stay away for one fucking night and think about the consequences of his actions. Effectively, I'm sure that when he, like, got there, they, like, you know, just, like, cuddled or something. I don't know. But, like, it'd be great if she could retain that anger. Because the next yeah. fucking part of the book... They're coming back from they're Florida. They're coming back from Florida. We don't even know what happened to connect the dots. We don't... There's nothing. There's, there's no, no follow-up conversation. to this. Like, she yeah. is accepting that this is, you know, where where we're at. Yeah. I... I'm infuriated. Hated this so much. <laughs> oh, my God. It makes I'm me so him. deeply uncomfortable. I hate... I hate, I hate, I hate that, like, that he's acting like this. Yeah. And that she's going to go spend time with Jacob. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be bad there, too, I'm sure, in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. Anyway. It's... That was a chapter. <laughs> the worst. How long was that? Six hours? Fuck. Are we doing one chapter episode? If they <laughs> act like this the whole time, I'm we're gonna doing one to. chapter episode. <laughs> I didn't expect this. Like, I didn't expect, like, I almost expected this to feel better for me than New Moon, which was yeah. maybe just, like, wishful thinking, because New Moon is so painful and, like, seeing her be so sad. And I mean, that was terrible, too, but alone. in a different way. Yeah, and this, this is, is terrible so, in another way. So, so, so terrible, too. And yeah. I, just, like, I hope it isn't like this all the time, but I, I know that, I know that it doesn't really get better between them until they are 
equals. Yeah. And even then, I don't really remember if it gets better between them or if I just haven't read it in a while. Yeah. And now we're done. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this one. We'll be back next time with one to two more chapters. I was about to say, like, I was at the beginning of this episode, I was like, you know, at the end, I'm going to say something like, here's hoping next chapter will be better. And I can tell you the next chapter will not be better. We've already read it. Maybe the chapter after might be. We'll see. I don't think so, but maybe. Well, eventually, something's got to give. We have to get reprieve from Edward. Like, he's got to go away for one second. Am I going to be in, like, a deep downward spiral until they get married and have a baby and then. Is, it's not it getting be better. better like it's at not all, getting ever. better. I don't know if it's ever going to get better. Like I don't think we're ever going to have a section of this book series anymore ever that I'm going to be like that was so nice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so stay Your tuned. Your host existential. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you signed up for. Oh my god. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to all thanks that. For listening. Thanks for listening. Let to... us know your thoughts. You're always welcome Please. to email. All right. See you next time. Bye. That's all, forks. Thank you for listening to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. All seasons are now streaming anywhere podcasts can be found. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Instagram at, at @genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, follow us at bowlingshirebellas.tumblr.com. With questions, comments, and any other inquiries, please email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. If you like what you hear and want to support the upkeep and production of our podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O. Lucifer.